Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Colton. We'll pull up Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we bring you another great episode of Talking in Circles. We're breaking down the Camping World 400 from the Chicagoland Speedway in Chicago, Illinois, or Juliet, Illinois, excuse me. Alex Bowman's first career win, an impressive win for him, an impressive run for Hendrick Motorsports. We'll dive into what that win means and what that run for the entire organization means as Chevrolet has finally showed up here on a mile and a half track for the first time in about two years. Is it the changing of the guard or is it just one race? We'll discuss that. Plus, we have the Xfinity Series race to talk about where Cole Custer went to victory lane. We also have a penalty we'll discuss there. Uh, Christopher Bell's car was disqualified. And also the uh, NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series event from Chicagoland Speedway where Brett Moffitt went to victory lane for GMS Racing. Uh, 917-889-8280, that's the number to call here tonight on Talking Circles. First, we're going to dive into the Cup Series event with Alex Bowman, who, um, you know, when you look at what he did last night, it was a a very good run, a very good win for him. And, and one of the most impressive things I think you can say about uh, his win was the fact that he was able to not only go out front and pass Kevin Harvick and, and pass other drivers for the lead, but when he lost the lead in lap 259 with about eight laps to go, he was able to pass Kyle Larson back two laps later, took the lead again on lap 262, and led the rest of the way and, and got his first career win. Uh, it was a very um, a very popular win for Bowman. This is a guy who is in one of the most popular rides in NASCAR history, took over for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, before last year, and a lot of people were still sort of out, myself included, were still sort of going, eh, Alex Bowman, he's had a nice couple of runs, but he's got to put it all together. Well, so far this year, Philip, he's put it all together. We've seen a lot of second-place finishes from him, and last night that was a pretty impressive win at Chicagoland. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting with a friend of mine, and I, we were texting during the, the race, and I, we both, my friend and I, were sitting there thought that when <clears throat> Young Money went and passed him, they're late that the race is over and it was going to be the same thing as Kansas where the lap cars, Paul Menard specifically, and a couple other guys, really Alex Bowman's kryptonite was these lap cars. And it's been a thing uh, that very few drivers have been able to handle. And Bowman being that he hasn't generally been up front in most vehicles that he's been in 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 general uh that he's have he finally had this opportunity and he goes out there and and recovers and two laps later makes that run passes Kyle Larson and and wins this race it's an impressive performance uh by them by the 88 by Hendrick Motorsports it was uh, a compelling for people who love the bow tie, uh, for considering ever since they brought out this Chevy Camaro, it's been a fail uh, outside of restrictor plate tracks. And then even for Chase, when you consider Chase's wins so far, it took him forever to get them. And then once he got them, you know, there's had to been crazy circumstances for him to win most of the races that he's won so far in his career. So the logic that Alex Bowman won it on merit and beat Kyle Larson, who was also up there for a lot of the day. And you 
look at the results and there's how many Chevys there. I mean, you got five Chevys at least there is on my rough count. Yeah, three, four, yeah, five Chevys and six in the top 11 and all Hendrick cars in the top 11. I mean, that's a pretty uh, stout performance there. You got to give him credit. Uh, he's worked hard. He drove in lower level equipment. He got fired on Twitter. Uh, same way Steve Austin got fired on the on the phone on the phone call or on the phone line for WCW. Same way as Alex Bowman got fired on Twitter and like Scott Wimmer got fired by mail. That's that's worst ways to get fired by in general. But I guess he's doing pretty well today. I think he's feeling pretty good about himself today after yeah. that locked himself into the chase and uh, has a pretty solid shot. I have to say to, to go and go a couple of rounds here in this, in this playoff and, and possibly, you know, possibly get real crazy. You know, he might be one of those sleeper picks once we get to post Indianapolis to kind of, you know, make maybe sneak into that final four with a run like this and how he has run on these cookie cutter tracks. Yeah, it it was a, a pretty impressive race altogether for Hendrick Motorsports and their Hendrick Motorsports affiliated race cars. I mean, he beat Kyle Larson, who, listen, Kyle's had a real tough year this year. I, we've documented that at length this year on this show. He had a really good run yesterday. Second place run, that's a Hendrick engine there. Jimmy Johnson finished fourth. Great run for him. William Byron was eighth. Uh, Aust- uh, Chase Elliott was 11th. Kurt Busch has had a pretty good year so far. He finished 13th. He was probably the, the uh, lowest of the Hendrick affiliated cars. If you want to include Chris Busher in there as well, he was 18th. And then you have the rookie uh, Ryan Priest who finished in the uh, 28th position. They have they've been having a rough time in that 47 car all year so far, but still um, a very impressive run for Hendrick Motorsports. And Spencer, how do you feel about Hendrick Motorsports and, and their affiliated teams in general? I mean, do you think this race here this weekend, we saw Jimmy Johnson lead some laps by himself for the first time, and, and I can't remember when that he actually went up there and took a lead and stayed there for a decent amount of time. I mean, it was only 10 laps, but still, it was like, wow, that's a 48 car. He was in second for a while. He ran in the top five all night long. It was shocking to see. It was almost like the old Jimmy Johnson again. Um, do you think this is a a – Isolated incident for Hendrick Motorsports where you say, hey, it's Chicagoland. Let's see him do it, you know, in a couple of weeks when we get to back to these mile-and-a-half tracks again. Or do you think this is a statement race for Hendrick Motorsports to say, hey, we're back? What are your thoughts on this? Let's just say it's a start in the right direction. Um, I mean, we know the Chevy and Hendrick, they've really struggled the past couple of years, and, you know, everybody knows that. So I would say – they're the best team. Obviously, you know, you still got to go through the Toyotas. Um, I would have to say, in my opinion, I think they're getting real close to the Fords. Um, and I know, I mean, look, uh, Stuart Haas, they're winless too. They're, you know, they got their own deal going on. But um, like I said, it's just a step in the right direction, and they need to take it week by week. I mean, it was it was an incredible performance by uh, Johnson. You know, Larson, he runs Hendrick Engines. Um and so, you know, this track was different with the package. Um, you know, I thought, the, you know, there's a lot of drafting, you know, those corner side drafting. Let's go to a track where it's not really like that, and let's see, you know, if they're able to just really pull away. 
And um, uh, so I would just say one step at a time. And, you know, like Phillip said, you know, he's been running really well in that 88 car and really showing that he belongs there. And apparently Hendrick said he's going to be in the car next year, no matter what sponsorship deal is. So um, obviously Hendrick believes in him um, and they're finding some speed. That's for sure. I mean, you know, if you're running up front like that, you obviously have speed in your car and they didn't have that early in the beginning. So that's two wins for them. And, um, you know, they get a couple more and people's going to start worrying, Hey, these Chevys are coming around and we need to watch out. We need to get a little bit better. And, um, but let's see what they can do at Daytona. I know it's Daytona, but you know, if another Hendrick car goes out and wins and it could be Bowman, um, who knows? So, uh, we'll yeah. just have to see honestly in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. It's going to, to be the interesting race here in the next couple is going to be Kentucky. Cause that's a mile, a sort of a mile half track. Then you got Michigan in, in August, uh, that's right before the playoffs start. Then we go to Vegas to start the playoffs. But um, those two races, Kentucky and Michigan in August, I want to see if Hendrick Motorsports brings it again because it was a very, very impressive race. Now, we see them qualify very good. Byron's been on the pole, been on the front row a lot. The biggest problem yesterday was with Byron's was um, the simple fact that he just couldn't get all, get, do good on restarts. He was getting beat on restarts really bad. He ended up eighth, not a terrible run for him at all, but, uh, you know, he was fast. He was real fast. You know, we saw him up in the top uh, four or five there early on in the event, uh, but once the restarts came, he could never really get that track position back. So uh, an eighth-place run for him. But to me, you know, as, as we go through this field, and if and if you didn't watch the race, you want to know the running order, it was Alex Bowman was your winner. Then you had Kyle Larson second. Joey Logano, pretty good run in third. Jimmy Johnson, we talked about, he was fourth. Brad Keselowski, who had an up-and-down day, finished fifth. Same thing with his teammate Ryan Blaney in sixth. Then it was Eric Jones, William Byron, Martin Truex Jr., and Austin Dillon um, in the top ten. I think the thing that is most alarming here, or the thing that stands out to mo- the most to a lot of the race fans who've watched the races this year, is only two Toyotas in the top ten, and the highest finishing Toyota was seventh yesterday, Philip Matthew. Kyle Busch had a numerous amount of issues. He banged it off the wall once, had blown tires. Uh, Hamlin had some issues, but Martin Truex Jr. You know, I know he—they he, is—you expect them to carve their way through the field. I mean, you know, I talked about at length a little bit on this show how I felt like him and Cole Pern had found it again and found their their niche in this sport again, where they could go out and really dominate and really be strong. And they were good yesterday, but they weren't what we used to see from that seventy-eight slash nineteen bunch there. Uh, are you concerned at all? And again, it's only one race. You know, we'll see if this continues at Kentucky. But a little alarming race for Toyota after such a good weekend at Sonoma the week before. I mean, <clears throat> there's with it's something that we've discussed in uh, other other episodes where even when it comes to this this uh, setup with the schedule and how you get into the playoff and if you don't run well in one race and it will just be like an anomaly, you could just go and say, well, it just didn't work out for them that day. They didn't have the best of it. In the end, a ninth place finish for Martin Truex. Yeah. It doesn't sound all that great relative to winning four races this year and what he's generally been doing uh, over the past three or four years. But I mean, just taking a quick glance at his average finish so far, that's above his average finish 
for the year. So the the uh, they got a ninth place finish. The Toyotas didn't have as good of a result as they probably wanted. It's not it's not something that I'd be as concerned about because I don't think there's any tracks that they're going to go to in the final ten, which is what matters at the end of the day for him and for Kyle Busch and Hamlin specifically at this point. I would I mean Hamlin had a decent car through practice, and then I think the rain and moving the race back later in the day probably affected them. I think it also affected the Penske guys. But in the end, the Penske guys were able to make it work. They were able to recover and make something of it in terms of the Toyotas. That if if it becomes a continuing trend, meaning like they go to Kentucky, which is one of their better tracks for the Toyota teams because it's a home race essentially – and they go to Michigan and Pocono, which are racetracks where they did relatively well out here in this first race with this awful 550 package, then, you know, then there might be a little cause for concern. But I don't think that it's anything to be concerned about. And even with this package, the way it's set up, you don't have to run well, theoretically well, every single week uh, mm-hmm. until you get to the final 10. Yeah, and I think you brought up a really good point about the rain and the race being pushed back. You know, what what people have to remember is, you know, and and that's why I always kind of sit there and say, but these teams have a chance to work on these race cars. You know, when when let's say there's rain in the forecast on Sunday, you know, I always feel like after qualifying or after uh, uh, final practice, they always had chances to go back and adjust their race cars in the morning and say, well, okay, it's going to rain or it rains, so the racetrack's going to be green. Let's put that adjustment into the race car. Well, they couldn't do that this weekend. Because it was an impound event, mm-hmm. and it sort of so I maybe threw a little people, uh, some people for a little bit of a loop. Now Austin Dillon had a really good speed; he ended up tenth. Not a bad run for him, but I think maybe that's why you kind of maybe have to take this race with a grain of salt here because it was a green racetrack during an impound race where they couldn't touch the race cars, and these crew chiefs couldn't really put the adjustments into their race cars until the race. Now, obviously, I think everybody knew it was going to rain that day. Um, you know, but you never know until it actually happens. And they ran 11 laps early, then they they, ran, they delayed it for about three and a half, four hours. Then they got back going again and, and completed the event. Um, something else that was very interesting, uh, Spencer, I want to get your opinion on this, was Kevin Harvick. Harvick was a really fast car all day long. He led early and often. He was probably the fastest race car all day long. And, you know, we saw some tire issues early in the event, and I think a lot of people – we saw a lot of people get bit by him uh, the the most notable and the most significant was when Cliff Border uh, blew right rear and then spun into the grass. Uh, really kind of ended his day there, or any any shot he had at winning the race at that point at least. But Harvard didn't have that same issue. Harvard just got up in the high groove um, where it was just a little too high and kind of got up into the loose stuff and got loose and hit the outside wall. And he was never really able to recover after that. Um, you know, and, and this is a team who we see constantly every week has speed. Harvick, his lap times in practice, he was the fastest five lap, fastest ten lap, fastest twenty lap averages. He was strong. Um, you know, it's not often Kevin Harvick screws up, but it looks like that's what exactly what happened, Spencer, and really rele- relegated that team to a fourteenth place finish. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, he is one of the best in the sport, but, you know, everybody makes mistakes, and he got in the high groove and just got in the wall. And, um, you know, I think these cars are so, you know, we all know they're so aerodynamic, and, you know, the slightest bit of damage can affect your race car, and I think that's what happened, you know. You just hit the wall, and like you said, you. I mean, we've seen it in previous times. You know, a guy hits the wall, and he just can't read, uh, just bounce back. Or some guy hits the wall, and it makes your car better for some reason. But, um, yeah, you know, a 14-place finish isn't, isn't too bad. But, um, you know, he, like you said, he led 132 laps, I think. And, you know, he had one of the fastest cars and was very dominant. And then that happened, and he just, like you said, he was just never able to come back and just kind of stayed, you know, away from the – the leaders and the top 10 more to say. And, um, you know, I'm sure they'll, you know, I, I do really believe Storthoffs will find victory lane this year, whether um, it's in the playoffs um, or in the regular season, you know, there's still a lot of racing left. And I do think that um, the four team or uh, we'll just stick with the four team has a shot of putting the car in victory lane. And um, yeah, disappointing finish for him. You know, he definitely could have got a top five out of it, I believe, and um, been up there battling with the Chevys for the win. But, unfortunate for them but i think they'll rebound and uh be just as strong or they need to be a little bit stronger than what they have been the park is in victory lane but i um just they'll they'll just take it and move on yeah and you talked to, you made a very interesting point there spencer about what you were saying about soon Haas finding victory lane really there's only one car to be that's really capable of doing that right now from that organization and that's harvick um you know amarillo has been pretty good this year i would almost put him as the second best car this year but he's not where he was last year. I think everybody can agree to that. Same thing with Clint Boyer. And uh, Daniel Suarez has had an up and down year. There's been times where you're like, wow, that, that 41 team's really close. And then there's times where you go, wow, that 41 team's not close at all. Um, so he's had a real up and down year, Suarez. Stuart Haas is just not what they were a year ago. And we have to kind of get a year ago out of our minds, even last two years, out of our minds because they were just so dominant last year at times, and, and we kind of sat there and said, man, it's almost like they could do it with their eyes closed. So we have to get that out of our mind and say it's a different year, different package, um, and, you know, different race car, including that. And they, they just had their struggles. Now, Harvick was pretty good yesterday, but I'm sure he's very frustrated with that 14th place finish. On the roll of 16th, like, like I said, Suarez had a tough day. He ended up 24th, uh, getting past there at the end on that last two or three laps. And then Boyer had a heck of a day. As I mentioned earlier, blew a tire, spun in the grass. He ended up 37th and didn't even finish. So uh, not a great day for Stuart Haas Racing. Um, but, Philip, is there anybody else that really stood out to you? I mean, listen, Kyle Busch, 22nd position. We, we documented a little bit earlier how his day kind of had – was really kind of down. I mean, you never really saw him up in the top ten. An interesting note to this race. Uh, and this is, again, a mile-and-a-half track, but Toyota only led 10 laps yesterday. Very concerning if you're a Toyota fan. But And, and really the guy who you expect to go out there and lead some laps was Kyle Busch. He was about a 10th to 15th place car all day before he bounced it off the wall and was never really able to recover after that, Phillip. Um, 22nd place run for Kyle Busch. It's only the second time all year he's finished outside the top 10. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on just Kyle Busch and uh, the rest of the field here, if there's anybody else that stands out to you? Um, here at Chicago Land Speedway. Yeah, I mean, for Kyle Busch to only second time all year not getting top ten, as you said, is is something for them and for that organization after winning this race last year and they showed that replay about 72,000 times over 
the week and a half plus before and during the week, during the day and of that replay of him and Young Money, for him to not be a factor really and not really have the pace this weekend was interesting. But I, it's Kyle Busch. He'll, he'll figure – he had a great save. He drove around with smoke in the car, and he drove faster than Quinn Huff and a couple of those other – uh, cellar dweller cars, so that should tell you. I'm no Kyle Busch fan, but I was impressed by that. That you couldn't even see basically the cars full of smoke because of burning uh, Badger rubber, and he was still driving around there, pretty good three quarter throttle. So, uh, fact they don't have a good run to yesterday is whatever. I mean, we'll see at Daytona. Daytona isn't one of his uh, more favorite racetracks. Uh, he has won in this race before. He's also famously been turned in the fence, and I've cheered every single time I've watched that video, but that's beside the point. Outside of that, I mean, you'd look at, you talk about Boyer, and they didn't catch his tire issue, and it blew out. And he was on the, during the rain delay, he's like, oh, we haven't scored stage points in over a month, and we need to focus on that and focus on strategy. And they, it was them and Ryan Blaney and, Kevin Harvick and I think one other team that had issues with the the tires because they had no no rubber down because of the rain. In Clint Boyer's day, they just completely failed and uh, they lost a ton of points. And checking the points right now, Clint Boyer went from being possibly solidly in, like we talked about it last week. Now that number has moved up to 11 drivers that are po- probably with points and now there's like 44 points between 12th to 16th and Clint Boyer's 16th or 12th to 18th and Clint Boyer's 16th only 24 points to the good uh, or 24 points between him and 12th but he's only 15 points to the good and on Eric Jones and 20 points on uh, Ryan Newman. So all of a sudden, this last month or so of the 14 car having a lot of problems, a lot of issues, there's some turmoil going on, you know, possibilities of driver changes and stuff like that. They're yeah. taking a nosedive, and that's it's not good. It's it, There's a sweat there for Stuart Haas. After a year ago when they had all four teams in the top eight, there's a possibility one or two of those cars may not make this playoff. And uh, Daytona is going to be an interesting uh, uh, situation because now this whole manufacturer deal where they all work together, how will that all work out going to Daytona, trying to get one or one of these guys into the playoffs? That'll be an interesting little uh, bit there. But otherwise, I mean, the Benedetto didn't come through after getting that fourth place finish. They like to, Fox liked to play him up for every week, and he didn't respond yesterday. He was not really a factor. Outside of that, I would say uh, there wasn't really anything that stood out. It kind of went basically like uh, about par for what par for the course. Ricky Stenhouse got a top 15 finish, and they're they're outside and he needed of that, that really. Yeah, yeah, they they're going to a track where they're likely to be a factor and or be the uh, trigger of multiple wrecks. 
but the fact of the matter is they are going to probably need to, you know, do a Hail Mary. They talked about the Hail Mary, and uh, they'll be one of a few teams that probably need a Hail Mary win there at Daytona uh, to possibly make their way into this playoff. Yeah, and uh, you talked about a lot there, but one of the things I wanted to touch on, too, is that 14 car, because you don't really – it happened so quick. You know, when we went to Pocono, he was 10th in the standings after Pocono, and he's dropped all the way to 16th now. And, uh, you know, that was a 30 play, 35th place finish two weeks ago and 11th place finish at, at Sonoma, and then yes, yesterday had a tough day. So um, it, it's not been a, a good run of races here for Clint Boyer, and like you mentioned earlier, it kind of put him on a spot. But I want to give a call out to somebody who we were kind of not hard on earlier, but waiting for – him to find his groove, and I'm going to say this, you know, he's gone from 29th in the standings in his first eight races of the year to now 24th, that's a big jump, and he's gotten four consecutive top 20 finishes in a row uh, for that eight team, and five of the last six races um, over there, that's uh, Daniel Hemrick, who seems like he's gotten into his own a little bit, you know, we were kind of waiting for him to do this when, uh, you know, the bad luck sort of ran out of that H car because it just seemed like every week early in that season he was having terrible luck. Finally turned it around, and he's within striking distance of the 23rd. He's not going to make the playoffs unless he pulls off a win at Daytona. But to write your season the way he has and sort of really get everybody on that team feeling better about themselves and building momentum and learning and, and now he's got now he's got consistently finishing in the top 15. Now he's got to pull off some top 10 finishes here and really get that team headed in the right direction uh, for 2020. You know if he doesn't win at Daytona, but I still think it's a good year not for a young driver not to get down on himself and and really rebound a strong season. I think Hemrick's done that really well. Um, like I said, he's 24th in the standings right now. He's three points behind Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon 72 points behind uh, Chris Buescher and 22nd. We talked about it earlier, Philip uh, Stenhouse. You know he's sort of in hell Mary mode. He is. Um, he needs really what he needs is a, is a rattle off a couple of top ten runs and have some. You know Boyer and Suarez and those guys have some bad luck really to catch the field. Uh, Spencer, I'll go to you on this. But you know now that we look at it, and really I think the only two guys who are outside the playoffs that can make it in on their points. Obviously, you know Menard can still win at a restricted point. So can Dylan and Chris Busher and all those guys back there. Um, but I think only two guys that can make it in really on their points that are currently outside are Ryan Newman and Eric Jones. Uh, of those two guys, who do you feel good about? You know, I talked uh, – it's interesting. Let me talk about Jones here before you answer. I talked about him earlier in the uh, – last week on Front Stretch where I do a newsletter piece every, every Tuesday it comes out, and I discussed Eric Jones and said that these next ten races of his career were probably the biggest ten races of his career so far with Christopher Bell – looming in the background, and, and that's no, not going away. Christopher Bell came out this weekend and said he will be at a Joe Gibbs racing car in 2020. Whether that's an Xfinity, whether that's in the 20 car, remains to be seen. Um, but Eric Jones has to really rattle off some, some good runs here. He's a defending winner of this race. What do you think, Spencer, about uh, the playoff run, and who do you think um, can make it in on their points? Uh, yeah, you made a very good point. I, I think Newman, um, you know, he's right there in 18th. You know, I think he has a shot and I think, uh, Jones is a shot too. Um, if, 
the 41 and the 14 is to slip up. And what's funny is that both of those cars, 15th and 16th, right there at the line are both Stuart Haas. So um, it's real hard, I think, anybody from below uh, Newman on back to make it without a win, just based off who they're battling with. I mean, Newman, you know, he, he races hard and he really gets everything out of the race car and he's just not going to let you go by. Um, Stenhouse, you know, he could pull off a win at Daytona. Um, you know, he's won there before. He's aggressive on those race uh, racetracks. Whether he wrecks half the field or not, he's still found a way to put it in victory lane. So, um, and that's all it takes is a win to get you there and you'll be in. Um, but I think Paul Menard and on back, I think it's going to be really hard for them to make it without a win. Um, so yeah, other than that, Newman, I think Newman or Jones is really the only ones that I think can sneak in on points if the 41 and the 14 continue to run like they are. 917-889-8280. Here is the number to call on Talking Circles tonight as we are talking about the entire weekend from Chicago Lance Speedway. A real quick shout-out. We don't normally do this, um, but a guy I'm I'm fond about uh, and I think sort of got a bad reputation last year in a car that had probably a, a black cloud over it all year long, and that's Ty Majeski, who went out and won his third ARCA race this season. And I know it's ARCA, and a lot of people are going to say, well, it's ARCA, but let me tell you something. Uh, we've seen people who have not won ARCA races get to the Cup Series. Um, so this kid, third ARCA win in only five races, I think he's run this year, six, um, and, and was a lap away from four wins from running out of gas at Pocono. So just want to give him a quick shout-out. He's done a great job this year. And hopefully um, somebody will put him in a good car next season, whether that's in trucks or Xfinity, because he's certainly done very well in ARCA. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series, from the Cup Series event, not the Camping World 300 from Chicagoland Speedway. Cole Custer went to victory lane. Then it was Joey Logano in second. Michael Annette third. Brandon Jones fourth. And Austin Sindrick fifth. And if that top five seems a little funky to you because it didn't, you didn't re- really recognize it, it was because uh, Christopher Bell, who finished in the third position, got disqualified, all his points taken away, relegated to the last position in 38th. We'll discuss that. But what do you think, uh, Philip, on the Xfinity Series race? You talked a lot about what Mike Shiplett's done for that double zero team. And, I, and Cole Custer should get credit, too. Cole Custer's done a really nice job. He's grown a lot this year. Four wins in 15 races. He's had a heck of a heck of a run here. A couple of second-place finishes sprinkled in there as well. Um, Custer's become, I think, especially on these mile-and-a-half tracks, a driver to be reckoned with. Uh, and Mike Shiplett's done a heck of a job there on that t- double zero team. What are your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race? at Chicago Land Speedway. Yeah, I mean, when you consider that he was the dominant figure and he's been, Custer has shown at these mile-and-a-half racetracks that he's fond and of that this uh, that type of racetrack, and you add Shiplett, who, when he was with, with Young Money, they did a lot of work at these uh, racetracks running that high line, which is what Chicago uh, has basically worked into being able to run that wall, all those things together, he put on a, a really strong performance. And what what is basically happening here is all these three, the big three, they, they, they kept on promoting it, and they're probably going to be talking about it for the rest of the year. It's like, okay, one of them wins, so then he's like, all right, well, you won, all right, I'm going to go and win the next week. And then, oh, you won, so I'm going to win the next week. And that's 
basically what has been going on. It's between Chris Bell and Tyler Reddick and Cole Custer as we build up to this playoff run. Uh, the the point that all of these teams, all three of those teams have to be concerned about is making sure that they bring their best stuff and making sure they they the details or all the details are, are looked at because you don't want to go and spend this entire year and build this up and do all this work and then because of a freak thing or getting taken out by some cellar dweller, they go and lose out on a chance to make this final four because I, I could I really would love to see these three guys plus probably whoever it'll be uh, it, I would I would venture to say uh Justin Allgaier but he's had a lot rough he's had a rough patch here recently go and and, and battle this out uh, in straight up for a championship at Homestead, I think it would be unbelievable uh, theater. It would be great. It would be a great race. I mean, Reddick right now at the end of the day has got such a huge points lead. He's going to get those 15 playoff points, and it's going to give him a solid uh, footing. And the reality is even with Cole Custer, he, and, and you look at Chris Bell, even with losing all his points uh, last week, he's still got a – good uh, 29. Yeah, he's got 35-point lead on Austin Sindrick. So even with uh, theoretically not even existing in the race last week, even though he finished third, um, all that, that came up uh, yet last week was, all right, which one of the big three is going to win today? And Cole Custer showed up and did it, and they're going to go to Daytona. And I think uh, Daytona is going to be that wild card that might give somebody, you know, the Michael Annettes of the world, uh, the non-factor you know, type drivers, a chance to really lock themselves in. Um, and that's probably what's going to make it more intriguing than your average uh, Xfinity race. But you got to give credit to that Shiplet and Custer effort. And I think Custer heard the heard the word from Gene Haas and Tony Stewart's like he has to start winning Xfinity races if he really wants to get the call up and he got winning. the message. And yeah. he's he's yeah. he's and he's eating custard too in the process. So I don't know. That must be some workout routine where you can go and eat custard on on social media and, and, and still be able to perform the way he does. I need to go and start doing that. I tell you this, he, he's not only winning, he's dominating these races. He's become, you know, a a guy when you sit there and think about who's going to win this weekend, the Xfinity Series, now you say Cole Custer pretty much is the guy. He's been the guy. And he, the only knock on him right now, I think, is maybe um, they need to rattle off and be a little bit more consistent. But he's got some races to do that before he gets to the playoffs. You know, when you look at uh, his how he's run this year, he's run very well. But there's been some races in there where you're like, oh, man, if he has that in the playoffs, they could get into trouble. 34th at, at Fort Worth, 32nd at Talladega, 24th at Charlotte, 12th at Michigan. Um, you just, you know, you'd like to see them take those finishes and put them in the top 10 or top 15 and say they really figured it out. But let me tell you something, Custer's become a guy who he's, he's become, I think, scary, scary good right now in this Xfinity series. And 
Uh, there are some rumblings. We'll get to this. If we don't get it today, guys, we'll definitely get to it on Wednesday's show about the silly season news because there's been a lot of rumors flying out there. Uh, Christopher Bell confirmed his silly his plans for 2020, uh, so we'll dive into that a little bit as well next week. Uh, but something, Spencer, I want to get your opinion on uh, a couple of things, and I'll roll off, rattle off the top ten before I we, we talk about Christopher Bell and what happened with that 20 car. Um, Noah Gregson was sixth. Then it was Justin Haley, Ross Chastain, who was driving for Cadillac Racing in a second car. He's in a third Cadillac Racing car this weekend, by, by the way, in Daytona with A.J. Allmendinger in the 10 and uh, Justin Haley in the 11 this weekend. Uh, Tyler Reddick was ninth, and Riley Herbst ended up 10th in the Joe Gibbs Racing Monster Energy Toyota. Um, mentioned earlier, Spencer, that, that uh, Christopher Bell was found too low in the front end of his car. A very similar penalty to uh, Ross Chastain that we saw a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it hasn't gotten quite the uproar that Chastain's has got. Is it because it's Joe Gibbs Racing? Is it because it's Christopher Bell and, and he's not as, as beloved as Chastain's become? Why do you think this hasn't really become a, uh, a major story here um, for the 20 car failing? Or was it because it was simply a win and, and, and uh, it was only a third-place finish taken away from from uh, from Christopher Bell? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's why. You know, I mean, Chastain, he lost a win. And um, I think it was a bigger deal for Chastain because what, you know, he, you know, him switching over the points and everybody knew that team had to go out and win and finish the top 20 in points. Well, they get their win um, and – it gets taken away from them, and that's a lot bigger than having a third-place finish taken from you. And plus, it's Christopher Bell, and, you know, that team is going to make the playoffs regardless, honestly. Um, And uh, so I think that's why that's a big factor, because it was a win versus third-place finish. But, you know, you still got last-place points, and, you know, that's big for the standings. But like I said, you know, everybody that's in the Xfinity Series standings uh, top 12 is making it because Greg Gauding isn't going to get into the top 12. So um, he's locked into the playoffs, and um, I think that's why it wasn't as big of a deal as Chastain. Um, and, but I do like how they're, you know, they're being consistent. He was too low. He got disqualified. Chastain was too low. He got disqualified. And um, I'm sure if anybody in the uh, in the previous races are the same, um, they'll do the same thing. And, the, you know, we've been so big about them being consistent and it's showing that they're backing up their word um, with this too low stuff. And, you know, if you're too low, you um, you get last place and you're DQ'd of your spot. So, um, yeah, I just think that's why it's not a big of a deal because versus win third, third place. I agree with you there. And, and something I want to touch on, guys, here, and, and uh, you know, I know this isn't a, a, a thing that gets talked about a lot and a lot of people might find it boring, but here's something I want to discuss. And I don't know if I discussed it on this show yet, but I, I wrote about it on Front Stretch a couple of weeks back as well. Um, and, you know, you look at the at the people who missed this race on Saturday. One of the drivers who missed this race was, a couple of them were Jody Machek and Josh Balicki, who had sponsors. And I don't know if Lee Machek was going to run the whole race. He might have been. He might have started in the park. Shepard definitely would have. He missed as well, Morgan Shepard. But Balicki had sponsorship in that 93 car for RSS Racing. And it grinds my gears to watch these teams now. If you're unfamiliar with the qualifying procedure works in the Xfinity Series, one of the biggest differences between the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series is that every single Xfinity Series race is an impound event, like we saw this weekend in Cup. 
where you really can't touch the cars between qualifying and the race. What that does is it really creates a dilemma for some teams. Is you know, do teams sit there and go, do I need to put a qualifying setup in this race car to make the race? If you're a big team, a lot of the big teams don't. They say we're going to go with a race setup. Sure, we'll tape it down and make minor adjustments and do the adjustments we can do to make sure we get a fast lap at it as fast as possible out of it. But we don't want to put a qualifying setup into it and then all of a sudden lose 10 spots to start the event and really have to make major adjustments to get our car to run good on the long run. But if you're a team in the back that doesn't have a lot of owner points in this series, you have to try and make these races, and you have to have the speed to do it. Um, and really what that creates is the um, the starting park teams who – and if you're unfamiliar with the term starting park, basically they go, they start, and they run about 15, 20 laps, in this case 50, 60 laps, and they pull it in. Um, for whether it's for a vib- they claim they have a vibration. You know, you see an electrical issue, uh, a couple electrical issues. So um, a lot of starting park te- teams. There's a couple of starting park teams this weekend, but they made it in. Um, and Jeff Green uses past champions division. That's fine, whatever. But you know, a couple of of teams that start in park that that make their way in is the 17 car for Rick Ware Racing. They can focus strictly on qualifying setup because they don't need a race setup because they're going to pull it in in a little bit anyway. So they don't care where they where the race setup is. So they're at an advantage because these teams who might for the 93, for example, which is going to run the whole race, they don't want to put themselves at a huge disadvantage because they're going to sit there and go, we're only focusing on qualifying trim and then finish 30th because they need the owner points. So it puts them in a really big dilemma. And that's something I wish NASCAR would look at and say, you know what? We'll, we'll still do a, a procedure where we have qualifying about an hour or two before the race, but we'll let you work on the race cars a little bit more. Now, obviously, they will have to change inspection. It's just frustrating a little bit because you see these teams, for the integrity of the, of the race, you see these teams start and park, and for them to be an advantage against teams who don't start and park is a little irritating, I must say, for me for me to watch it. And if you want to complain about uh, Jeff Green getting the past campus divisional, I understand where you're coming from. That's an old rule, probably an outdated rule that really should be kind of put by the wayside. Um, but they still have it in the Xfinity Series for whatever reason. Green got it this weekend, and that's why Nemechek missed the race because he didn't get it. Uh, but just something to keep an eye on as we go to Daytona where, you know, uh, you probably see a lot of teams go out there and run a qualifying setup in their car and make the race and, and then all of a sudden lose the draft. And it's because the qualifying setup at Daytona and a race setup at Daytona are really a lot different. So um, just something NASCAR I think they got to look at here coming down the road because I don't want to see teams that are, are tending or are, are with that want to run the full schedule in the Xfinity series and can't do it because it's better off for them to start and park. It's bad enough that these teams have to, to um, the budgets of these teams are kind of screwed from the get-go because we, we don't give them enough back to these teams. Uh, last thing I want to see is these start and park teams get even a bigger advantage over qualifying. 917-889-8280, that's the number to call. We move to the Camping World 225 NASCAR Gander Outdoor Truck Series event from the uh, Chicago Land Speedway in Joliet, Illinois. Brett Moffitt was your winner. Then it was Brandon Jones, second. Stuart Friesian, third. Harrison Burton, fourth. Austin Hill in fifth. Todd Gilway in sixth. Royce Chastain, seventh. Matt Kraft in eighth. Anthony Alfredo, ninth. And Dylan Lupton finished in the tenth position for the Truck Series. Fill up a couple interesting notes here. Moffitt, without a sponsor, goes out there and pulls up the victory lane. A good run for him. One of the dominant trucks for the day, though, 
early on was good and finger. He had some issues there with Austin Hill. What were your thoughts on the whole truck series race there in the Camping World 225 at Chicagoland? I mean, give credit to Brett Moffitt getting his first uh, actual win of the year <clears throat> instead of uh, getting assistance from NASCAR. That wasn't – he really uh, dominated that one. And considering they were a favorite coming into this season, they're going and showing what they had there in the second half of the race and winning and getting maximum points or, or pretty good – a hall of points is a good look for them and uh, probably a sign of things to come. I would think for Brett Moffitt and uh, forgetting Jerry Baxter, I think the crew chief and that whole organization, uh, the fact they ran with no sponsor is probably not a great sign, but then when you consider it's Brett Moffitt, it's not all that shocking. Uh, the whole Austin Hill and, and, uh, uh, what do you call a uh, brain and finger thing? I think Austin Hill is starting to have get a persona of uh, you know I think his ego is bigger than what his actual talent is, and uh, you know being daddy's money and being able to get into a big time ride in large part because you're be able to bring that you're able to bring money to an organization. I kind of was on his side and you know understood how he reacted to uh, Johnny Sauter given, I mean, given Johnny Sauter's behavior in general way he's always been. Uh, I would consider Grant Enfinger one of the good guys in the sport. He's busted his butt to get there. He's worked really hard. He's a pretty humble guy. And when you're not willing to listen to one of those guys and you're not willing to at least give credit or understand what that person's viewpoint, I think it's a fundamental problem. And uh, when you consider that he's in a position where he's going to make the playoff, probably get eliminated in the first round, if not the second round, he has to, somebody has to give him a reality check. And if it, if it means that he gets into a fist fight between now and, the start of the playoffs, I wouldn't be shocked. And if it isn't, if it's during the playoffs, probably be even better because it would be more compelling. Uh, outside of that, I, Ross Chastain, the 45 team, didn't have the greatest run, uh, which is kind of interesting compared to where they've been. Uh, hopefully, as they get to their next uh, start, next race, I think is Kentucky. So uh, they'll probably respond a little better than what they did uh, on Friday night. I mean, with uh, other than that, I mean, the Gillen team, the DGR Crosley group actually did pretty solid. Uh, Natalie Decker didn't wreck for once, so that's uh, positive. Tyler Anchor ran up front. Yeah, well, you know, that's it's Natalie Decker. Um, I mean, <laughs> Dylan Lupton and, and then whatever, we ran a – the DGR, they didn't have no sponsor for that, but he actually got a top 10 finish. Anthony Alfredo getting a top 10 is pretty solid for him. He's one of the good young talents that exist in the sport. So, um, I mean, that's really what it is. I'm, I'm curious to see how Austin Hill is probably going to get his butt whipped by somebody at some point uh, between now and the end of the season. Um, other than that, give credit to Brett Moffitt. 
Yeah, he probably needs a he needs a attitude adjustment. I know one of them wrestlers has named their their finisher the attitude adjustment. He needs one, so we'll see what happens with that. Yeah, uh, something else that's interesting, guys. And you mentioned Chastain. I, you know, it, it was a it was a run where I don't think you're alarmed if you're a Ross Chastain fan. You want to run for this championship? I think maybe Nice Motorsports looks at this and says, "Okay, we got our win." You know, um, we don't have the, as much funding as the bigger teams in this organ in this sport, the bigger teams in this series. Uh, so let's bring, you know, not not going to give up on the race, but we're not going to bring our top notch stuff. We're going to either save that or, or build new race cars and aim for the playoffs and bring our best stuff to the playoffs because we know we're going to get in. If you look at where Chastain is right now in points, he's 24th. He's got to be in the top 20 in order to qualify for the playoffs. He's 10 points away from qualifying for the playoffs. So for this time after Kentucky, when we're hearing Kentucky after Kentucky discussing the Truck Series event, Chastain most likely is going to be in the playoffs with a win. Um, and I think that's a decent philosophy. Now, you might want to do it with two races. Go bring your best stuff, get the momentum going, get the kinks out of the hose and everything. But I think sort of taking a breath here, I wouldn't say taking your foot off the throttle, but, but just – you know, lifting off the throttle just to here to where you're not going crazy um, or, you know, overextending yourself to where it's going to hurt you in the playoffs, that might be a smart move by Chastain and East Motorsports to do that. So I think that might have had something to do with their run this weekend. We'll see again as, as the weekend, the races go on here if that 45 team can, can uh, follow along and, and really find them, their group again. But I think if when they need to win races and they need to start running good, they certainly will out there. Uh, anything else, Spencer, that stood out to you from the uh, Camping World 225 uh, NASCAR Truck Series event? Uh, not much. Um, you know, I thought it was a okay race, and, uh, you know, it was Brett Moffitt was the guy at the show for sure. That plain white truck was sure was fine. And, um, um, yeah, I know just to touch on Chastain, you know, I, you know, I thought he was – kind of out, um, you know, not up to par like you've already mentioned. Um, but it was also a short week, too. You know, there was a Friday, and they just raced Saturday. I, you know, that could have a little bit because the truck was already ready, so they could, might have, could have had to rush a little bit. Who knows? You never know. Um, like you said, I think they're going to be on top of their game. And, um, I, you know, seventh. I mean, that's not bad. He's been finishing there before his win, so really they're on the same page just because he has a win. And now he finishes seventh, seventh. Doesn't mean they're really off. I mean, like I said before, his win—that's where he was finishing, anyways. So, um, no, I think they're going to come out swinging, and they're going to give it a good run for their money. And the whole Austin the Hill thing that gave uh, the Truck Series a little publicity, and nothing against uh, Hattori Motorsports or whatever, but I honestly would like to see him back that truck into the wall every weekend. Um, he's got a terrible attitude. He, I like I said, I don't know who he thinks he is. Um, but I'm not going to get into all that. You know, that's, you know, that's Brandon Finger and Austin Hill's deal and Austin Hill's deal. But I tell you one thing, you need friends on the racetrack. And if he continues to do that, he's going to have to he, – they're going to give him hell. And you're, it's impossible to run a, win a championship when everybody's not giving you an inch and they'll put you into the wall. Um, so, other than that, um, another truck race, and I thought it was decent. Yeah, trucks are fun to watch. Something to keep an eye on here, guys. Uh, with this series as we move on is is the where the playoff cut line is going to be. 
it's going to be very interesting to see who makes it. Now, I want to dive into this a little bit. Right now, Johnny Sauter is in the playoffs. Um, you know, he, he got suspended a couple of weeks ago, but NASCAR said he could keep his playoff eligibility. So he's in. He's 10th in points right now. But So that means the guy who's 8th in points, the cutoff is now 7th because of, of Johnny Sauter. Now, you're also going to have to put Ross Chastain in that conversation, which would put the cutoff in 6th. So really, when you look at it from that standpoint, if you use the cutoff as six, which for all intents and purposes is most likely going to be the cutoff this year, um, Harrison Burton is three points ahead of Austin Hill right now. But the most alarming thing this year is Todd Gilliland, who is 42 points, 45 points out of away from his teammate, 42 points behind Austin Hill. Um, Philip, are you concerned about Todd Gilliland's chances to make these playoffs? He's got to win. It looks like he's going to have to win. And I'll, I'll ask you the second follow-up question to that. Um, if Todd Gilliland doesn't make the playoffs in a Cobblish Motorsports truck, could this be the end of his affiliation with Cobblish Motorsports at the end of the year? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm definitely concerned that the uh... – Todd Gilliland, for Todd Gilliland's sake in terms of his ability to go and make this uh, playoff, especially considering that Ross Chastain, given he's averaging an 8.4 finish, he'll be able to go and and get another eighth-place finish or whatever, Kentucky worst case. I, I think he'll do better at a smoother racetrack. He'll end up being even further behind. I I'm very concerned for his prospects uh, in terms of making this playoff. I also would venture to say if he doesn't uh, make this playoff, it's going to be a real problem for him. I'm pretty sure he could go and jump in one of his dad's trucks uh, next year. Uh, I figure that'll be the move. Uh, if they can go and get him funding, the but the sad reality is you'd be yet another example of, you know, they bring him up and early and they he didn't work out. I don't think Todd Gilland is as bad as what the results have shown. I think that Kyle Busch Motorsports in general uh, invested a lot of uh, their energy in the owner uh, winning races for his own uh, personal benefit, which you can understand why that would be. Uh, at the same token, they took away from their full-time uh, drivers. Uh, the best crew chief they have in their in their organization is on a team that is the part theoretical part-time team, and they generally finish better than the two full-time teams, which to me is illogical. But that's beside the point. Uh, I give Harrison Burton a pass because of where him being a rookie this year. But just based on results, he's already got three more top five finishes. He's been more consistent than his more uh, experienced teammate, and he's beating his his teammate by 45 points. So he's basically got a full race on on Todd Gillen. So that in itself is kind of disturbing. yeah, it wouldn't be a good look if uh, Todd Gillen misses his playoffs. I, they, he got a pass last year because he didn't get to run every week. He's been able to run every week, and they're in probably theoretically the best Toyota team, even if they aren't as good as they have been in previous years. 
if he misses his playoffs, it's going to be pretty tough for him to continue a career, I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, and another driver, Spencer, that I think you know has had a little bit of a disappointing year so far and is in the same boat as Todd Gilland is Sheldon Creed. He won the ARCA uh, Series Championship last season. He's a rookie, so he gets a little bit of a pass, but that's a GMS racing truck, and I think if you had a lot of people's uh, that before the year, you would think Sheldon Creed, with what he did last year in the truck in the ARCA Series, you'd say, well, he's going to make the playoffs. Um, it doesn't look like that's the case right now for Sheldon Creed. He, he, I have more uh, faith in Todd Dillon pulling off a win than I do Sheldon Creed right now. Again, he's a rookie, um, so that's that's a that's an excuse for him. But um, another driver who has sort of found themselves in a win-or-go-home situation here in these next few races for the Truck Series. What are your thoughts on Sheldon Creed here before we end the show? Yeah, you know, I think he has talent, but, you know, I think he just uh, summed it up pretty good. You know, just because you won an ARC championship, um, you know, the Trucks is different. Um, there's a lot of young talent, and they race hard. And he is in good equipment, um, you know, nothing against GMS. But, you know, it takes time. And, you know, I don't know – you know, I'm not a driver. I've never drove one of these things. I don't really know how long it would take to really get your arms around one of these trucks to where you're really able to drive it good. Um, but, you know, he's in good equipment. Um, you know, it wouldn't shock me if he was able to win a race before the playoffs because he is in good equipment and he does have talent. And he's proven that he has his name and won the championship um in the championship list for the Arca series and um any championship you win um you know the eyes are on you you get good opportunities and you know i don't think he's run terribly you know he's only one spot out and let's face it he could be a lot worse in points but he's ninth and i think he does have to win and like i said it wouldn't shock me if he did win um you know i'm sure they're going to come out swinging pretty hard you know the closer it gets to the cutoff um and, you know, that's all they can do if they don't make it. You know, I don't know what his plans are, but if he's in their truck again, I'm sure they're going to be better because he'll have a whole year under his belt. Completely agree there, Spencer. I, I completely agree with you wholeheartedly. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting, again, to see how that playoff, those playoffs shake out there um, for both Todd Gilland and Sheldon Creed. You know, when, when you look at Gilland's year, um, you know, he hasn't had a great season a second finish, second place finish at Gateway was a strong run for him, but you know, uh, in the middle of the year he finished 15th, 14th, and 15th at Martinsville, Texas, and Dover, uh, and that's really got his season into a bad light. And uh, you know, I hope for him he wins, pulls off a win, and gets the playoffs, um, and really and really shakes some things up there in the Truck Series points, you know, and really kind of put that that line a little bit lower to where um, you know you have to run a little bit better to make the playoffs. So uh, we'll see. You know, they run again in Kentucky in a couple of weeks. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles. We're excited for Daytona coming up this weekend. Uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series racing on, on Friday night. NASCAR Cup Series racing on Saturday night from the Daytona International Speedway for uh, the annual 4th of July weekend uh, at Daytona International Speedway. We'll break that down. We'll also talk a lot about the silly season here. on It's on Wednesday night this week um, at, at 8.30 on Talking Circles. Well, silly season, there's a lot of stuff going on. Christopher Bell announced his plans for 2020. Really, we kind of have to discuss where he's going to go um, at Joe Gibbs Racing in order for him to uh, to race and where where he'll be most competitive. We'll discuss that. Also, some rumors about Cole Custer going to the Cup Series. Uh, we'll discuss that as well and more on Wednesday night 
on Talking Circles. I want to thank Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here. We'll see you next time. Good night, everybody.